Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan, your host for today's episode, and today we are continuing our conversation with Jim Elliott and Tina Marie Hernandez of Dive Heart. And uh, we started talking to them last week and we just were getting, we were having such a great conversation and getting a lot of life lessons that we didn't want to miss any of it. And so today we are continuing on with them. And I promise we're going to talk about Dive Heart because I'm really excited. Um, and we'll talk about its mission. But first, I something that you said last week that was really interesting to me, Jim, and I was wondering if this maybe kind of led to part of why you started Dive Heart was about your dad um, being a, uh, a, a disabled veteran. And so did that, how did that impact you? And, and did that kind of bring the idea to, to where we are now? Yeah, it had a, a lot to do with my uh, top understanding of individuals with disabilities, being around mm-hmm. veterans in the hospital helped me a lot because then it was not foreign to me at all. Uh, some people are uncomfortable approaching someone in a wheelchair, for example, and, yeah. and I'll say, take, I'll say, take a knee. And so, you know, so you get eye level with that individual. Mm. I do that today when I meet someone in a wheelchair. So I'm not looking down at them. Um, we tend to talk to them differently. If we're up, we're up here, they'll tell you that individuals in wheelchairs will say they talk to me like a child. So learning that was very good. And then having a friend with cerebral palsy that I would walk to school um, was also good. I was always around. And then having children with disabilities and and guiding and teaching blind skiers in the 80s and developing that program and then bringing that, what I learned there to Dive Heart was, uh, it all kind of built on itself. Yeah. And that's kind of how life tends to happen is, you know, these things build on themselves. And I think when you walk through the doors that naturally open, I think you can see a lot of big things happen. And so as you're sort of getting into thinking about starting this organization, Mm -hmm. do you remember those initial stages and what it was like to say, okay, like, I want to do something. What can we do? I mean, I'm sure with the two of you, it wasn't like, ah, we'll think about it. We'll, you know, see if we someday we want to do it because your energy is just amazing. So I'm sure it was like, I want to do something, let's do it. But but can you share with us like in those initial stages in the early days, sort of how you yeah. went from I want to do something to we're starting this organization? Yeah, it was kind of it's kind of interesting because I was uh, as a young journalist in, at the College of DuPage, I working for the, the paper, I wanted to uh, I wanted to take experiential things. So uh, mm-hmm. I took fencing and I and I took scuba diving it just to, in case I had met someone like Jacques Cousteau. Um, You know, a lot of people don't know who that is if you're under 40. But um, so that was really why I took diving. I had no burning desire to uh, to become a scuba diver. But once I did it, I was I'm floating in the water, you know, 10 feet above the bottom of the the ocean or whatever. And I'm going, oh, my God, this is amazing. Uh, It's we call it the astronaut moment. You know, you're in inner space, you're an aquanaut. And and I, that stuck with me, and I want. I wanted to become an instructor. Life is does what life does, and and took me on a journey with the family and kids, and this and that, and the media career. Yeah. So I still was a diver, but um, didn't pursue it as aggressively as I as I would like to have if I had been single, for example. But then when I hit my oldest daughter was born blind, and we got into the skiing thing in the eighties, I I took. I, I immediately it was like an epiphany. It's like. You know, when I'm skiing and I'm teaching a blind skier, it takes me, if, they, if we only do it on weekends, it might take me three or four weekends 
to teach them how to get acclimated to the, the equipment and to learn how to feel the fall line and initiate turns and this and that before I can start guiding them down the hill. Yeah. In 30 minutes, I can take you out of a wheelchair and you may never have been in the water before. And I can teach you how to, how to think about using your breathing to control your buoyancy. And in 30 minutes, I can have you standing up at the bottom of a pool, looking down, going, oh my God, I'm standing up for the first time since my injury or maybe the first time in my life. And that quick, that quick turnaround is good for me selfishly because it's like self-gratification. It's like, yeah. wow, look at, look what we did. Look at the smiles. Look at the, how quickly we can turn this around. So this is a very unique, number one, we have the franchise on zero gravity, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of great therapies out there, but, but we own zero gravity. And yeah. so by using zero gravity and this, um, this quick turnaround and building confidence and, and independence for the individual with the disability, it, it helps us be able to, to just like, boom, boom, boom. You know, you kind of turn lives around really quick. Yeah. 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 And in some ways, you know, we all have to find our own way to do that. And I think that, um, going from like, I, I want to learn just to scuba dive. I want to learn about this too. Like, this is going to be my livelihood. Um, because even if it's something that you enjoy, it's, it's what you do for work now. Right. So uh, how do well, you take, so it's, it's, <laughs> He doesn't get paid. He, thank God he did well in the media business. I get to volunteer. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. But I, I think that, um, you know, to go back to, to when he started this, you know, because of the way he saw what it did for his daughter as far as building her confidence and and it changed her, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, he said it more than once where it's, it changed her from being someone who was angry about being a person who couldn't see like everybody else to someone who could take pride in saying, I ski. Mm -hmm. And it, it, that one little bit helped change everything for her and, and helped her go, well, I can ski. You know what? Maybe I do want to do well in school. Maybe I do want to graduate and do this. And, and that's the type of story we see over and over again with the people we work with today, right? Mm -hmm. You give them an experience that shows them they can do something that maybe they did not ever plan on or imagine they could do. And now they've met friends, they've done something exciting, even, and I'm saying even just in a pool, but mostly in a pool, right? Yeah, That's where we start yeah. everyone. They have these experiences and, and someone actually did some research that showed the first 50 experiences, really, you get that same kind of adrenaline high that, that oh, I just did something really yeah. exciting. And that pulls them or pushes them. It helps guide them into a different mind space, as well as getting them to look at those open doors that you just mentioned and, and walk through a couple more of them that maybe they weren't going to walk through. And yeah. that to me is the high that he talks about as well, right? There's the one that you see in the pool and people see it immediately. You've got parents and loved ones who are at the pool side a lot of times that are in tears because they're like, this person didn't want to go out of the house before. Yeah. And now they're looking forward to seeing their friends again, their, their friends at Dive Hard, or they're looking forward to sharing with other people their experience. And, yeah. you know, that's that's the gift that he was able to create through creating Dive Hard. And that all of our volunteers help 
create every time we do an event or every time we go on a trip because we couldn't do it without the volunteers that we have. And then we do it through also the great job of promotion that all of our adaptive divers do. Because I, I tell you, almost to a person, the minute they really get into it, they're like, um, I'm going to tell my friends here, you know, Jack, Janie, Joan, um, and, and they bring the people. And that's, that's what's great, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's cool I don't want to... Go ahead. No, go right ahead, please. I was going to say what's, what's cool, too, is uh, what Tina Marie says helps them self-identify now, not as someone with a disability, but someone who is now a diver. And the cool thing is when they roll up to you and say, wow, those people that saw us diving don't even know me, but they came up and said, hey, diver, how was your, how was your dive today? You know, and now I'm a diver. I'm not, I'm not in any way in it. somebody who self-identifies as somebody with cerebral palsy, for example. People yeah. see them. They yeah. see them. Yeah. yeah. They so don't just ignore them. Right. It's cool. We're all, we're all equal. It's a great equalizer, right? I mean, underwater, yeah. we're eye level, we're, 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 we're moving through the water with whatever abilities we have, and we're all using our breath to control our buoyancy, and, and it's a great equalizer. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I don't want to go too far without talking about the mission of Dive Heart and what it's about. And so can you share with me at, at its core what the mission of the organization is and then how Dive Heart fulfills that mission? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the, the mission that we have is really what we've been speaking about. It's to get people into the water, to help them build confidence, self-esteem, independence, to help them see themselves as more, uh, being able to do more. And that's why we use the tagline, imagine the possibilities, right? Um, if you can do this, there are so many more things in the world that hopefully you can be open to. And just creating connection, really. And so the way that we do that is through the events that we have, uh, through in the pools and those we provide for free. So our pool sessions are always free to anyone who uh, with a disability that comes and they can come as many times as they want uh, whenever we have a, an event. And then, you know, we try to do it through training. If someone says, this is amazing, I want to be certified. So then we can do that. And then once they're certified, they're like, well, I'm not certified to go in the pool. I'm certified to go in the ocean. So now we have trips. So we we wow. fulfill the mission through doing all these types of things to con the continuum. But then as well, we um, we do research with medical centers and we want to find out. We have so many anecdotal stories, but we know that there's got to be more to this. And we have engaged through almost as long as Dive Heart's been around with working with medical experts and, and encouraging that so that people can do research and find out more tangible, this is what happens to your body, or this is what happens. You know, we, we had someone do a research um, that showed that 80% of PTSD symptoms are alleviated during a dive. You know, wow. what can that do for our, our veterans who suffer from PTSD almost to a person coming back from the wars that we've had and, and the engagement that they've had to see? And, you know, does that mean that maybe they could not be on as much medication? Does it mean that even just mm -hmm. that alleviation that they can get during diving, whether it's in a pool or in the ocean, you know, is that something that we can give people on a more regular basis? I can't, we're at the tip of the iceberg with this type of research. Yeah. You know, autism is an epidemic and um, 
some of the therapies they use to help individuals with autism are, are pressure vests or weighted blankets. And you need to know the triggers that an autism person has when you're communicating with them. And what the nice thing about what we do is when they go underwater, it eliminates all the surface triggers and distractions that might trigger them. The ambient pressure helps soothe them. And, mm-hmm. and so now they're, they can focus more. And, and the cool factor is off the charts. It's like now I'm a diver, you know, and, and yeah. I can share that with their family and friends. And we've had kids with, when, when they were printing out pictures, right, of, of what they were doing, they would bring the picture book that they had to their the doctor every time they go, and they'd make everybody in the waiting room see the pictures again for the 30th time. <laughs> they'd be like, I'm a diver, I'm a diver, I'm a diver. It's like, we know you're yeah. a diver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Until the next time they could do it. I mean, they, you know, sometimes uh, they would wait a year till the next time Jim was able to make it out to Boston or make yeah. it out to a different location and and they have their next event um but that's that's how we do the mission you know and we do a lot with education and outreach the, the not enough people know that this is a possibility uh, we get such good reaction from people who want to help people in the water as well because without them it doesn't happen so it's very yeah. community based in the end although we're global right so yeah, we're global yeah. but every um, place where we have these programs, it's about the community there. I tell people it's not about scuba diving. It's about taking the individual with the disability and creating a paradigm shift in their life. Now it's not Johnny in a wheelchair anymore. It's Johnny, the scuba diver. And he goes, wow, if I can scuba dive, what else can I do? And and he goes on to take other challenges on his in his life. He may never get back in the pool with us, but he'll go and pursue yep. other things because now he's a diver. And we try to point them towards being good stewards of the environment, coral reef restoration, okay. marine biology. And what's really cool is is people that that witness what's going on will come to they've come to me several times in Tina Marie and said, you know, I was afraid to take on this challenge in my life until I saw, you know, Michael diving, you know, and getting out of his wheelchair and doing this. Mm-hmm. And you know, if he can do that, I can do this, right? Or or mm-hmm. my blind daughter skiing. If she can ski and she's blind, I can do this. And that ripple effect is very powerful. And if we could take, you know, a million people and make them adaptive divers tomorrow, imagine the millions that they would influence and and inspire them to do things that they didn't think they could do. And it's all such a positive thing that it it just, that ripple effect is one of the things I love. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, I feel like in my generation, depression is really an epidemic. There's a lot of people, and, and it could be that we're just paying more attention to mental health, and so we're, we're understanding that a little more, but I feel like there's a lot of people that deal with depression and anxiety, and when you're sharing about, especially when you're sharing about people with autism and diving and, and how they kind of feel wrapped up and safe and like the world is shut out a little bit, I think about the effects that diving could have on depression, anxiety, or mental health issues in the same way of like, when you feel like you're wrapped up, you're safe, it's just you and the water. And I mean, I I feel like that could be really helpful there as well. I agree. I, you know, we've talked a lot about this and, and we're about to be working with some, um, you know, a young person who is dealing with, 
with depression mm-hmm. specifically, you know, and, you know, cause we, we work with a lot of people who have comorbidities, right? So you were in an accident, you're now using a wheelchair, you now have to use a cane or, you know, something else, maybe your, your sight was injured and you are dealing with that new reality as well as depression, right? So we, mm-hmm. we see a lot of that, but now this is, this person in particular, you know, his father approached us about giving him this experience because specifically about his depression. And there's various ways that we could approach that. You know, in some ways, when people start giving back, so if they were a volunteer, you get, uh, a lot of our volunteers get this sense of purpose, this sense of, you know, helping someone else brings you out of yourself and really does help you feel better just about the world in general. So there's that approach of helping someone with depression just kind of be get out of themselves and be able to give back to someone and see something positive. And it's something positive that they helped create. Yeah, so that, yeah. that helps. But then you also have the person who could also be um, on the scuba dive, you know, scuba and, and learning how to scuba dive and, and getting that experience. But either way, whether you're the volunteer or not, you could both be under the water and Every diver is going to tell you when they go underwater, they have a pop, you know, it helps them, right? Yeah, it yeah. helps them. And so I think that there is something there for people, you know, and you're right. Younger people are struggling and there's a lot to struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot to struggle with. In these past few years, we even took away the, the physical support that people would need. You know, you're not right, able to be right. there in the presence of someone else that could give you that even just, you know, a hand on the shoulder or, or, or the squeeze that says, I'm here for you, right? That yeah. that has been taken away from a lot of young people because of the pandemic. And hopefully we'll get back to that. You know, hopefully we'll get back to um, being able to be there for each other, um, both, you know, verbally, physically, you know, the whole thing so that we can help alleviate some of the suffering that people are going through. Yeah. One of our goals is to build a a warm, uh, warm water therapy pool, a deep pool where we can see the benefits um, of PTSD relief and things like that, but also a place which is kind of an incubator for researchers and rehabilitation. So now if you want to do a study on autism, in scuba therapy. Midwestern University did the first one with us uh, years ago. And let's say you want to do something on Parkinson's or you want to do something on mental health or you want to do something on spinal cord injuries or Alzheimer's. I mean, the, the, I mean we know what, for example, the medication, if, you, if you're taking medication for something, we know what the results are at one atmosphere, which is what we're at right now, right? When you go down 33 feet, now you're at two atmospheres. And then when you go down to 66 feet, you're at three atmospheres. And and the depth for recreational diving is 130 feet. So when you start wow. taking taking that ambient pressure increase and saying, well, what will your medication do now at, at 20 feet on 100% oxygen? So now we're breathing 21% oxygen. But that increase in oxygen, what does that do to your circulation, your oxygenation of your tissue? You know, maybe physiologically it helps you in some ways, but maybe psychologically it helps you in other ways. And maybe the medication reacts differently with increased oxygen and ambient pressure increase. So there's a lot, we're at the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to scuba therapy research and and this facility that we're aggressively working on um, 
is is going to be, I think, a, a, like I said, a game changer. A game changer, right? For sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, not that you would let them stop you, but but can you share about some of the challenges in organizing a nonprofit and just r- running this day to day? What what have been the challenges and what keeps you going during those? Well, at the very at the very beginning, I can tell you that when I left the successful career in the media business and I decided to do in diving what I had been doing in skiing, this little club kind of thing, um, and I decided not to take an income, I laid in bed two days and stared at the ceiling and went, "What were you thinking?" <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So it's that realization that, oh my God. But I was very blessed because I had a good friend that was an attorney, and they did all of our our trademark work and pro bono. Um, and our 501c3 incorporation pro bono. And because uh, I went to them, I said, I get this idea for this heart and it can't be available because it's too obvious, you know, yeah. I want to dive heart. And, and they said, guess what? It's available. And I talked to my partners and we're going to do this for you. Well, the, the nice thing is the minute that you become a 501c3 or, or are incorporated to do that, you can begin raising funds. And then there's a five-year window where you have to show the public will support you. And then you get the blessing that now you are a nonprofit. You are a real 501c3. It's kind of like Pinocchio. You become a real boy <laughs> after five years of, of showing that you can raise money and the public will support you. So that, you know, because of my background, I'm blessed that, that I'm from, that I've been in business a decade for decades in, in Chicagoland and raising money and for advertising for these companies was what I did. So I'm like, wow, all I got to do is go out and raise money. Let's go. So I had an advantage that way where somebody who might be a writer and not have any experience in marketing or sales or advertising or promoting or any of that and not have the entrepreneurial drive maybe that I did would maybe struggle or, or, you know, depend on others that maybe weren't as invested in in their or passionate about what they did. So I've been very blessed in finding people like Tina Marie and others, board members and volunteers that, that understand that passion and feel it and, and contribute and identifying skill sets. I mean, my first board was, Okay, I'm going to need somebody in accounting. I'm going to need somebody mm-hmm. in IT. I'm going to need somebody in 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 marketing. I'm going to need somebody, you know. And you kind of bring together a team that's going to complement what you want to do. And I and I thought it was going to be a little club thing. Honestly, I thought we were going to be in the pool. I thought we were going to do the quarry once in a while in the summer, and maybe we go on a trip once or twice a year. Yeah. And now we're all over the world, and we've influenced the whole industry. I mean, there were yeah, yeah, in '97 yeah. when I started teaching people with disabilities. There, there were, I couldn't find other organizations doing this. So uh, we've helped grow it. And that's our goal now is to promote and raise the level of the water for everyone. And, and we've helped spin off 50 other nonprofits around the world wow. to do something similar. Yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, challenges today are, um, you know, it's always a challenge to be fiscally responsible, right? You want to you make sure that you're spending the money that you do have in the right places. We're very lucky because we're very healthy right now. Um, we're niche. So when when you get injured or when you go land in the hospital or if you have a, a, a child with a um, challenge, not anybody, I think, goes, oh, but they can scuba dive. So that'll yeah. be good. You know, so um, but we wanted we want that to happen more often. We want people to go, well, there's this program and maybe I can get into this program and, you know, have it there for them. And 
and have people know about it. And then also pools. So right now, before we have our own pool, which is part of the reason why we're, we want to get it is struggling to find pool time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when we help people, we can only help so many people at a time in the pool. You know, we might be able, if we have a pool all to ourselves, we could probably get five individuals in every hour. Right. Yeah. Well, that's different than a pool going, I can get 20 kids in the pool for an hour if I teach them how to uh, swim. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's difficult in that way, too, because we need teams to be helping people in the water. Um, I and thankfully here in the Chicagoland area, we do have people who are generous. We are able to find some pools. We do have volunteers. So I'm thankful for all of that. But that's always a struggle for us as well, um, is finding that. Now, I'm hoping we just had the premiere of the documentary, um, that that being on Amazon video will help people know us. That's hopefully yeah. going to do some of the work for us with with uh, outreach and letting people know this is a, a possibility. Um, and then just keep doing what we're doing. Keep uh, making sure that we're the the leaders and safety around this and making sure that we continue to deliver on our mission so that it continues to grow. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your big weekend because we're recording this just before Memorial Day and we know that you had uh, the premiere and a big weekend. So tell us about the premiere and, and what, uh, yeah, well, what you we, were able to share with the world. We were really excited, right? We were really, or I was, but we were both really excited when David created the um, documentary. And and when we didn't think it was going to happen so quickly, he he's the type of person, he's like, I'm on this project. I want to see this project fulfilled. And then I'm going to get on to my next project. So love that about him. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it happened pretty quickly. And I immediately was like, we need to do a premiere. We need to share this with the world. We need to do something fun. And Jim's like, really? But I'm like, we've got a wonderful classic theater in Downers Grove. You know, that's our home base. It's where Jim started Dive Hard. It's where we still currently have our offices, our main offices. So um, we were able to really pull it together. And we had so many people come in from out of town, the people that were on the trip. Uh, we've had so many people support us. You know, people were buying tickets. They're like, I can't make it, but I'm going to buy 25 tickets. And if someone can't afford a ticket to go, please, you know, have them go on our behalf. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. And then we had a little red carpet. We had, you know, where they people could come and take a photo in front of it. We had the the filmmaker there. So he did a question and answer. We also, one of the things I was really excited about was there were some pieces. There was a piece that was done in particular a few years ago by some young um, high school people at the time, they are now in college, but they did a piece on us that I just love. And I play every time we do a zoom presentation and uh, yeah, it was, it was three young women and two of them were able to come and they were actually able to see their piece up on the big screen. Wow. So it was a great, you know, it was a gift back to them, but it's always a gift to us because their piece is going to be with us forever. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I would, I, I told Jim, we really need to promote, promote that more because I would love other young people that want to get their hands, you know, wet. Like we're all about opportunity and, mm-hmm opportunity to do things like this if they want to create their own little mini documentary because they're in film class or because they they want to try something out you know we're here 
uh, because there's all sorts of stories that can be told. Yeah. Yeah. Mentoring young people is really important. And, and the, the documentary is called Adapting to Dive. And if you were to do a Google search on that, I mean, it comes up right away. And the story itself is really unique. We we met David Marsh, the filmmaker in Cozumel, and we were doing some training and he was on the same boat. We didn't know him. And he came up to us uh, in the evening. We were staying at the same hotel. I said, I heard you talking about this adaptive diving. Tell me more. And I told him that night, I said, David, there are no chance meetings, you know, and and he said, you know, I, I want to do a documentary. He called um, he called like a week later and he's called several times because at first when he said it, I, I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> you know, but, you know, <laughs> I was like, OK, whatever. Everybody. Yeah. Um, so but then he, he was for real. And I said, well, why don't you come on the trip in December? Uh, we have 40 people, eight with disabilities, five in wheelchairs. And you could start doing their backstories now. So from September to November to Thanksgiving Day, he was doing backstories. And, and the trip was a week after Thanksgiving. And what happened was was incredible. I mean, it, in some ways sad because David's uh, son was struggling with opioid addiction. Mm-hmm. And he just got out of rehab. He had just gotten a job. They, they had high hopes for him. He came to David's house on Thanksgiving, had a great dinner, felt loved, um, went to his room, overdosed and, and died Thanksgiving oh, night man. at David's home. And David then had to make a decision and talk to his family and said, what do I what do? I do? I, do I stay? Do I cancel the trip? And, and, and they said, no, no, go, go get outside of yourself. We'll, we'll start planning the funeral arrangements and the memorial and things like that. And so David didn't say anything to us. And he and his brother, Scott, who was also filming on one of the boats we had, uh, they came, they, they interviewed our, our adaptive divers and volunteers. And I think because of what David was going through, I think the way he approached each individual that was facing their own challenges I think was unique and, and very special and connected in a way that it, it wasn't a marketing video. And I think originally it was going to be about dive hard. Yay. You know, <laughs> and then it turned into something much deeper. And in the mornings we had no idea he was getting up and every day had a theme. So if one day was trust the next morning, he would get up and turn the camera on himself and no one was there by the pool. And he'd say, trust, he'd go, now I have to trust. Or adapting. He goes, now I have to adapt to life without my son. And it wasn't until the last night, and this is all in the in the documentary. It wasn't until the last night that he he told a joke. He was the last one to talk out of the 40 people. And then he said, What you didn't know was this. Boom. My son died, you know, on Thanksgiving. And I came and I didn't want to say anything because it's not about me. I didn't want to distract from yeah. your stories. And it just made it so powerful and and so special. And as he put it together, it just became this magical thing, you know? Yeah, he, it was, um, it's about his journey, you know, to, to the start of his healing and what he experienced with these people who have challenges every day of their life, right? Every minute they're alive, there's a challenge for them to, to face. And he has this challenge that he'll have for the rest of his life. And he kind of juxtaposed them against each other and how he was able to find um, some inspiration in what he saw in how 
known the people that he met on this trip. So it, it's really, uh, it's really moving. Jim and I were very um, lucky to have seen it, you know, three or four times before it was released and help with the, you know, putting it together. And, and I just, I'm really excited that we can share it with the world and, and having it on Amazon video really helps us do that. So, yeah. You know, I encourage anyone who wants to see it. It, it. It's an hour of your life, but maybe you'll find some inspiration. Yeah, I know we'll definitely watch it and we'll make sure to share with everyone how they can watch it. Um, I love organizations that are doing just big work out there. And no matter how many lives you touch, it's, it's the quality that really matters. And the work that you're doing has such quality. Um, what do you hope for the future, not just of Dive Heart and its people, but what do you hope for the future of our communities, of our, our city, of our area here in the Midwest? Because, I mean, you don't have to look very far to see some really painful stuff happening. Um, but the light that you're shining in that is so bright. And it's so, I, I mean, I can feel the, the love and the happiness and the joy. And, and when I think about people who are, gaining confidence and self-esteem and independence. It just makes me so happy that you're doing what you're doing. And so what do you hope for the future of Dive Heart and for your, your community? Oh, I can, I can jump in really go. quick. You know, the, the land that we're, we've been promised for the facility is in North Chicago, which is an underserved community. Yeah. And what I see happening is that once we can get to have this destination, we can now teach kids who would never have a chance to get in the water to swim. I mean, kids all over the country die in inner cities because they don't get that opportunity. You know, they don't get to go to swim lessons and things. Yeah, yeah. We, we get to do that now. We get to help them. And then we get to point them in a direction where they can, they can go, wow. I mean, I could be a marine biologist. I could, I could, you know, I like sharks, you know, maybe I could be a shark professional or something like yeah, that. I mean, yeah, yeah. A lot of really cool, the cool factor is what excites, I think a lot of young people and, and people struggling, you know, with, with disabilities and things. And, and I think we we're, we're good at taking that excitement and channeling it in a lot of different directions. And, and yeah. so I think that um, that ripple effect I talked about earlier, you know, I want to see that it touch people's lives, no matter who they are, where they are. And, and we have so many amazing stories. If you went and looked at our media kit or you went to YouTube, the Die Fart YouTube channel and click on playlist, you get mm -hmm. medical stories, you get military stories, you get symposiums. We've done 11 years mm. of adaptive scuba symposiums. Top university medical professors and researchers from around the country have, have I mean, it's a university course that, that we have online that people could go, wow, you know, wow. look at this story. This, this yeah. guy's standing up for the first time and, and now he has a new lease on life and sharing, you know, stories stick, right? So if we can get people to look at the stories and share those stories with others, it can change their lives. I mean, simply just watching a story and listening to somebody who's struggling with something, overcome that. And I think, I think that'll, you know, story stick. And I th I'm big on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For me, um, I, I want to continue uh, expanding, like like Jim said, if we if we can have people um, to help change them, not change them, help give them hope. It's about hope. It's about healing. Um, 
And we want that for, for all of our communities, right? And it is, it is a, a difficult time for us. And I think that, you know, people can, I, I, I joke because whenever we do a news segment, uh, I'm like, people are like, oh, what are you going to be on? And they're like, well, the five o'clock hour. I'm like the last three minutes of the five o'clock hour. <laughs> they beat you with all the bad news and then yeah. give you three minutes of hope at the end of the hour yeah, or the half yeah. hour, right? Um, and I hope that we can expand that, right? Let's be yeah. positive a little bit more of that half hour if we could, or, you know, people get their news from all over the place these days, but, you know, being able to uh, tell our stories and have people hear them so that maybe we can, you know, bring a little bit to their lives, you know, bring some hope, some happiness, some, you know, every day, something happens where I'm just like, you know, we're going to be okay. People yeah. are good, right? People, if it's, if it's, they call, I mean, we needed a vehicle so badly. And this woman calls us out of nowhere and just says, I really would like to help you with getting a vehicle. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and, and it happened and we have this beautiful van now and, you know, I'm forever grateful to this woman. And, and you yeah. know, we made, we named it after her. You know, we have a little sticker of Betty on the door because we think about her every time we get into that vehicle now. And, you know, it's things like that, but it doesn't have to be a huge thing. I remember uh, we had uh, a water problem and one of my little neighbors who was seven, you know, gave us, I swear it was his lunch money or maybe it was his, his allowance, you know, and he just said, I just want to help dive heart. And, you know, it was like a dollar and some change. And, yeah. you know, when people do that, they give, no matter if they can give us a thousand dollars or they can give us $5, it makes a difference and it yeah. makes the world better, right? Yeah. They feel good because they gave we feel good. And sometimes those $5 donations mean more to me because if I know the background of why, you know, they gave it, it just, to me, it, it, it it's about making the world a better place. So I'm all for it. Yeah, right. as, a, as a journalist, uh, I can say, say that this is not new, um, that they've known since newspapers first came out that if it bleeds, it leads. And, you know, that's what sells newspapers back in the 20s. And that's what everybody lives on now, you know, they, they need to get those numbers. And, yeah. and we understand that. But how how we perceive things is very important. I mean, there's a there's a book that I try to, to push and it's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it's very simply, you know, taking an obstacle and turning it so that now you're taking lemons and making lemonade, you know, how you look at the news, how you digest it, where your head goes. Are you going to spend all day being depressed because something happened and it didn't even really affect you, but but you're upset about it. You choose to be upset about it or you choose to take action and go, you know, I, I do feel bad that this happened. I can't personally do anything about it right here. Um, but. I can do something positive to help mm -hmm. someone else, like Tina Marie said. And that's the best way to get outside of yourself, right? And take that action and then just have a persevere, have a goal. You know, our, our goal, we, this was not our goal to be worldwide. It was simply, it, but when things happen, present themselves, then you begin to see see opportunities and go, wow, yeah. you know, we can, we can do this. And when, when things shut down, like when the training stops or when the research Hits a, hits a brick wall, 
we go, that's okay, we'll pivot. And now we'll go to outreach and education or we'll go to you know, uh, something else that we do. And we have about five books of business, the research and the training and the trips. And, and we just simply focus on, on that. We do cool stuff like we take old wetsuits and we bring them to a recycler and that, you know, so they don't go in a landfill and yeah, they make yeah. posters and yoga mats and welcome mats with our logo. We use those then to raise money to wow. help fund the program. So it's kind of a cool way. You're helping the environment. You're helping raise funds for programs for individuals with disabilities. And we kind of, that's our mindset. It's kind of always yeah. think of ways we can repurpose and, and, you know, leverage things. And, you know, we take broken masks and fins and we give them to school art departments, you know, to make do scuba art projects. So it's, it's really kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you were making me think of, Something that I, I read a story where um, you need to be ready, like opportunity is going to come to you. And if you wish, so say you wish to be a ballerina, right? And people are telling, oh, you're never going to be a ballerina. You don't have the body form. You don't have this. You don't have that. But if you practice and you believe in yourself and you're able, you know, even if, if anything comes, maybe you're not like the prima ballerina, but maybe some opportunity comes to you. Because you were ready, you can take that opportunity. And, yeah. and that's something that Dive Heart, you know, we always want to be ready for when that opportunity comes. And I think if people are able to do that with their own lives, you know, I try to do that within my life. You know, there are things I want to be able to do, but I need to be ready to accept that opportunity when it comes mm -hmm. my way. Right. Mm -hmm. if, if someone comes my way and I haven't been practicing, well, how am I going to take that opportunity? Right. Or if we're not ready in another way. So, you know, I, I think about that a lot as well. Yeah. You know, doing the small stuff too, the process, you know, doing, not being afraid, you know, I'll, some days yesterday, I probably moved a hundred scuba tanks. I'm the president of the organization and the founder. Should I be moving people? Why are you moving the scuba tanks? Don't you have people to do that? I go, when someone's got to take out the garbage, just no one's around. Guess who does it? <laughs> yeah. And that's what you got to do. You just, you know, some days it seems, but if you do, do it with purpose and you you just keep going and go, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to be doing this task right now, but it's going to help move the whole organization to the next level. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and great things happen. When I don't want to get up in the morning, I go 90% of success is showing up. I get up and I have a cup of coffee and I just go, something good happens. I go, wow, if I hadn't gone into the office or I hadn't done this, that good thing wouldn't have happened. And, and so- yeah. We're always looking to turn over the rocks and find that magic moment. Yeah. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about, and we are so grateful for your amazing work. You know, we're just sharing stories here of people and organizations that are doing big work. And so um, we know that time is really valuable. And so we thank you for sure for your time. Um, and thank you for what you're doing uh, with Dive Heart and, um, just we you know hope that you keep getting resource to continue to do that and and keep getting blessed in that so thank you for your time and thank you for um sharing about dive heart i want you to leave us with uh ways that other people can connect with you where they can find you and where they can learn more about the organization well our, our website is diveheart.org uh, and if you want to connect with us it's Info, I-N-F-O, at diveheart.org is the, our email address. And 
just uh, send us a note and say, hey, you know, I want to volunteer or I'm interested in a program or, you know, I want to learn how to scuba dive. What can we do? Um, and we'll be happy to help you point you in that direction and work with you. And the phone number is on the website. So, you know, all the calls come to me. I determine what direction they go in. Do they go to training? Do they go to whatever? So we uh, we address things right away. When you call, you get an answer right away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate your time. And of course, we appreciate our listeners. Thank you for tuning into these episodes. You can find all of our episodes from our previous four seasons and our current season five at www.bridgingchicago.com. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And of course, you can find us on LinkedIn by searching Bridging Chicago. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoy these episodes. Make sure you go back and listen to part one of the uh, Jim Antina Marie's episode if you haven't. And uh, thank you. And we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. That's great. Let me uh, stop the recording. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.